Monday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend in the wild and wacky world of sports and beyond. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. Your Carolina Panthers will be playing the San Francisco 49ers this coming Sunday. They had an open weekend as Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, Jacoby Brissett and the Colts, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens gobbled up your best of the weekend votes, at least you as NFL fans. They poured in from all over the rest of the sports world as well. The Panthers didn't play, nothing to crunch and digest there, but Cam Newton's coming back to practice. Ron Rivera, the head coach, meets with the media in about two hours. It will not be the same old humdrum questions and answers this time. Kyle Allen keeps winning football games as the 23-year-old undrafted free agent QB for the NFL team here in our backyard. We'll talk about the NFL, what happened and what might be about to happen as the Patriots at the Jets put a finishing touch on week number seven. Tomorrow's a huge day in the sports world. The World Series begins. The Houston Astros best of the weekend for as expected eliminating the New York Yankees. The NBA's regular season begins tomorrow as well. Preseason in the books. We will discuss the preseason favorites in what is often the most predictable of the major sports that we follow, but which this year offers an interesting combination just in Los Angeles. LeBron and the revised Anthony Davis version of the Lakers, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George down the road with the Clippers. They actually share the same building, those two teams, and there are at least a half a dozen others that you could take seriously if someone chose to put them number one, number two, number three in their preseason NBA power rankings. The Carolina Hurricanes have lost twice since we were last together, but they still have one of the better records in the National Hockey League. There were best of the weekend votes all over college football. We have two great guests today, one on the NFL, one on college football. The Hall of Famer Mac Brown of the North Carolina Tar Heels made history over the weekend with a six-overtime game at Virginia Tech. The Heels did end up on the wrong end of that matchup, 43-41. Everybody relearned the new rules, or perhaps learned for the first time. Eventually, if a college game goes long enough in overtime, they just start trading two-point conversion attempts. No kickers whatsoever. And given what had happened earlier in the overtimes, that might have been good for both the Hokies and the Tar Heels. There were big winners this weekend in college football, some of them from our backyard. Darren Vaught and I and intern Will were all there in Winston-Salem as the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest, without their superstar quarterback, Jamie Newman, got it done against Florida State. 22-20 to was the final. Sage Surratt and Kendall Hinton and Cade Carney, and I would argue Dave Clawson and his coaching staff were among the stars as the Deeks improved their record to 6-1. and one. And down the road, a little farther west here in the great state of North Carolina, the App State Mountaineers of Eli Drinkwitz stayed undefeated. They crushed ULM. They are among only 10 now unbeaten FBS teams. And one of the others in the group of five that had been undefeated, we told you to watch Boise State at BYU. Boise went down, minus its starting quarterback. 
That leaves SMU of the American and App State of the Sun Belt as the only two Group of Five teams that have not yet lost this season. Long way to go, of course, but a lot of Mountaineers fans looking forward to the Apps having a shot at the South Carolina Gamecocks in Columbia in the not-too-distant future. Other best-of-the-weekend votes all over the place, really. Illinois upset Wisconsin. The Badgers as a 30-point favorite and in the college football playoff conversation lost to an Illinois team that had entered the game two and four, two wins and four losses. The heavyweights, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, they all won convincingly. Number seven, Penn State beat number 16, Michigan in Happy Valley. That one was much closer. Oregon beat Washington out in the Pac-12 to at least keep that league somewhere near the college football playoff conversation. But the votes poured in from everywhere you can imagine as we welcome your calls and look forward to Joe Person live from Panthers camp on all things NFL. Mac Brown. The first year UNC head coach, but in part two for him in Chapel Hill, of course. He took the heels to eight straight winning seasons in the 1990s in a 10-year tenure with the Tar Heels before he left for Texas and won that national championship with the Longhorns. He is back in town. He is recruiting incredibly well again. And the Tar Heels have played, what, six nail-biters in their seven games so far, much better than most had predicted, recruiting as well as anybody would have guessed. Mac Brown live in hour number two. Joe Person live from Panthers camp. He's also in hour number two. That leaves hour one for your phone calls and my thoughts on best and worst of the weekend, as we call it. Fridays, we call it free-for-all Friday that maximizes phone calls. Mondays, more phone calls as well. Two great guests later. Your votes for best or worst of the weekend. Your questions or comments or complaints on what you saw over the weekend that was. Hockey, basketball, college and pro. Kevin Keats in the Wolfpack. Mike Krzyzewski in the Blue Devils had their versions of Mar or Midnight Madness over the weekend. Andy Murray in the tennis world. Jason Day and Tiger Woods in the golf world. The North Carolina Courage the best women's soccer team on planet Earth. They get to host the NWSL championship match one week from yesterday. I'll be there with family and friends. Denny Hamlin won in Kansas and was one of eight drivers to make the latest cut in the NASCAR playoffs, which is now down to those eight. Brad Keselowski, who won it all back in 2012, was the biggest name to miss that cut. Jose Altuve. Is Mr. October taken? It is, Reggie Jackson would tell you, but Jose had the game-winning, series-clinching home run off the Yankees' closer, Araldis Chapman. That was over the weekend as the Astros eliminated the Yankees in Game 6 of the ALCS. A lot of best of the weekend. Many of you are glass half full, the way we try to be here at the David Glenn Show. The worst of the weekend included a lot of bad football teams, the Broncos, the Falcons, the winless Dolphins, the winless Bengals, the Giants, Chicago and Philly are pretty good teams, but went down in flames this weekend. Washington fell to one and six. Melvin Gordon's back, but fumbled the ball away for the Chargers in the final moments as they lost to the Titans. NC State got curb stomped up at Boston College. 
and Duke got mollywopped up at UVA. It was ugly. The Tar Heels also lost. That one was a 6 OT special. Wisconsin, Miami, Florida State, Boise State, the New York Yankees, the Carolina Hurricanes all got some votes for worst of the weekend. And it was a weird weekend as well. As we come to your calls on the other side, what was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? Did you see the Sooner Schooner turned over this weekend? The horse-pulled covered wagon that is a big part of the pageantry of Oklahoma home games, it tipped over this weekend. Did you see that one of the top teams in college football lost its star quarterback to a significant ankle injury, although he is expected back? Did you see that an FBS head coach tweeted, let's just call it a three-blind mice theme, with football referees as the targets? And yes, he was fined for it. The First Amendment coach will not protect you in that context. Clemson had a football player who, after a major mental mistake and ejection for fighting, fighting, a punch thrown in a college football game, Dabo Sweeney actually had his player seriously take a 450-mile trip back to campus from Louisville. And there's some rough miles in that particular drive. He was kicked off the team plane to learn the lesson the hard way. And he jumped into the bus or whatever it was with the team managers and came home without being in the lap of luxury like the rest of his undefeated teammates. More on those crazy stories. Did you know that everybody on both teams got a flag? I'm not kidding now for dancing this weekend. There was a dance-off between college football players. Now, I've seen, if you've ever been to, like, the Aggie Eagle Classic, there are, it's like a traditional dance-off between the cheerleaders and or dance teams. It's actually a lot of fun to watch. It's part of the pageantry. These players were on the field as teams were switching ends in between quarters and I think the refs just got tired of asking them to get back to the sidelines. But that's all it was. There was no fights. They weren't even close enough to probably hear each other's words. But every player on both teams flagged for dancing on the field. Those that had a previous unsportsmanlike penalty in that game were ejected. So they went from dancing at the end of the third quarter to what? I have to walk to the locker room? That actually happened in a Sunbelt Conference football game. For the record, Mo Bamba was the song playing as both teams were dancing. I was feeling the groove, but I, I was not in jeopardy of having a flag thrown against me. Quick updates. Mark Richt, now of the ACC Network, former Georgia and Miami head football coach, reported within the last 30 minutes that he had a heart attack this morning, but yet he expects to be at work later this week. Seriously, I would never joke about something like that. Our best wishes to a regular guest here on the David Glenn Show. Scary news involving Mark Richt. Heart attack this morning, but whatever the doctors told him, he thinks he's going to be able to work later this week. We'll see about that. One of my best of the weekend, even after a worst of the weekend, a very good friend of our show, a very good friend of many Kaniacs out there, Mike Maniscalco, uh, the sideline or ice side reporter if you will for the Carolina Hurricanes often a regular one of our most popular regular guest hosts here on our program Mike Maniscalco you may have learned from a team release late last week had to fly home and is scheduled for surgery 
because of a mass found in his abdomen. Multiple surgeries are going to be required. I did talk with Mike over the weekend, and he, of course, shared his, his thoughts and appreciation for many of you chiming in with your thoughts and prayers and positive energy. So prayers and thoughts and best wishes to good friends of the program, Mark Richt and Mike Maniscalco. Scary news for both, but hopefully good prognoses for both as well. The door is open. The lines are available for your phone calls. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw over these last three days since we were together on Friday and what made it that? I have examples from all over the sports world. We'll get into a lot more NFL and college football. Did you know that seven of the remaining eight unbeatens in the Power Five conferences have one thing in common? Clemson is the only exception out of these eight from the Power Five, still unbeaten. Remember, App State and SMU, group of five, also still unbeaten. Seven of those eight undefeated you see higher in the rankings have at least one thing in common, and it's an important thing. More on that story with your calls. Cameron in Greenville, Steve in Apex, you can join us from the mountains to the beaches and everywhere you'd want to live in between. 1-800-849-2761. Best or worst of the weekend, questions, comments, and complaints. We're ramping up the calls on the other side. Mac Brown of the Tar Heels next hour. Joe Person of The Athletic Carolina on all things NFL also next hour. It's you and me and your phone calls next on The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on The David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? That's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. And that's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Here we go with your best and worst of the weekend nominees. The one thing I promised comes from college football. After a weekend where I thought Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints in the NFL could make a good claim to being the best of the NFC. 6-0 Patriots still the king of the AFC. They visit the Jets tonight on Monday Night Football. Remember the return of Sam Darnold, the young quarterback, has at least given some life to the Jets. We'll see if it's enough life at home tonight against mighty New England. In the NFC, and then we'll come to Cameron in Greenville, Steve in Apex, you all can join us right now with your best or worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. Questions, comments from the baseball, basketball, football, and other worlds. You heard that audio. That was Jose Altuve of the Astros with his game-winning, series-clinching home run off the Yankees' 100-mile-per-hour-throwing lefty ace closer, Araldis Chapman. The Astros have been the best team in baseball all year. They do host the Washington Nationals tomorrow night in Game 1 of the World Series. They eliminated the Yankees in that Game 6 of the ALCS. For baseball fans who like good pitching, as I do, as I mentioned last week, flashback to my childhood as a baseball fan. The Astros are the biggest World Series favorite. You might enjoy hearing this, Darren Vaught. In Vegas, the Astros are the biggest favorite to win the World Series once you know the matchup. Since your Boston Red Sox were a huge favorite over the Colorado Rockies 12 years ago. And I know you all did punch that ticket and take that trophy, right? The Houston Astros are the next biggest favorite at the expense of the Washington Nationals. Just remember this. 
as Garrett Cole, as close to unhittable, hasn't lost in forever. What is he, 19-0 and in his last 25 starts? Crazy. As Garrett Cole, future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander, and Zach Granke are the three top starters for the Astros. Don't forget, the Nationals are throwing Matt, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. That doesn't mean you're not going to see some wild baseball. It doesn't mean you won't see some slugfests. But that is about as good as it gets in modern-day Major League Baseball. That big three starting pitching against that big three starting pitching. A lot to look forward to for American sports fans. World Series begins tomorrow. NBA regular season gets underway tomorrow as well. Cam Newton is returning to practice for the Carolina Panthers as they look forward to their trip to San Francisco. Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints won again at Chicago, 5-0 and now. Bridgewater will be starting somewhere in the NFL next year. He is the highest paid backup. He's done everything and then some you could ask while filling in for Drew Brees. And the Saints at 6-1 and have an argument to be called the best in the NFC. The Minnesota Vikings are, having, are building an argument as well. They went to Detroit and beat a better-than-usual Lions team, 42-30. Kirk Cousins leader of the 5-2 and two Vikings, had his third straight 300-yard passing game and his third straight game with at least a 70% completion rate. And his next assignment, by the way, is Thursday night football against Washington, where I would imagine he will continue to polish those numbers unless there's really bad field conditions or weather conditions the way we saw when San Francisco beat Washington this weekend. There are other candidates. Dallas beat the Eagles last night. They're four and three and still more. But the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, six touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers for one of the handful of times in his career at the expense of the Raiders. There are a handful of good candidates. The Niners haven't even lost yet, remember. The Panthers at four and two are on that next tier and could change the conversation if they go to San Francisco and hand the Niners their first loss of the season. Quickly on college football, and then Cameron, Steve, and you at 1-800-849-2761. There are a couple of nonsensical arguments that you hear in the college football world, maybe from people just trying to kill space or whatever on their shows. An unbeaten Power 5 team is not going to miss the co that wins its championship is not going to miss the college football playoff unless one of these years we have like five or more of them that fit that description. You can't squeeze five into four, obviously. But every year we go through this angst and indigestion, and every year we end up with either nobody who's undefeated or one or two teams that are undefeated. And my reminder to you is this. Right now there are eight Power 5 schools that haven't lost. Seven of those eight must play another member of the unbeatens just between now and the end of the regular season. So Clemson is the exception. Only one out of the eight that doesn't have to face another member of the club, if you will. But if you're biting your nails about either too many unbeatens or what if Clemson was 13-0 and the ACC champion, but we keep seeing them slide down the poles, don't worry. Be happy, because in part, whereas Clemson does have to deal with, say, a 6-1 Wake Forest team later, but that's at Death Valley, the Big 12 has two unbeaten teams. Guess what? Oklahoma plays Baylor head-to-head -head on November 16th. Now, it doesn't mean they'll still be unbeaten once November 16th rolls around, but you have in your back pocket your Bobby McFerrin don't-worry-be-happy card 
is that the Baylor Bears must play Oklahoma head-to-head on November 16th. Don't worry, be happy now. Meanwhile, the SEC has two unbeatens, two of the eight, right, in the Power Five. LSU hasn't lost. Alabama hasn't lost. You have another in your back pocket, Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy card, because LSU, still unbeaten, visits number one Alabama, still unbeaten, on November 9th. Don't worry, be happy now. We don't know if they'll both still be undefeated by then. Probably so. But even if not, you know they play each other head-to-head. And finally, the Big Ten has three members of the unbeaten club. This is just the eight in the Power Five. Hats off to SMU and App State as well for obvious reasons. But the Big Ten has three unbeaten still standing. And people get nervous. Darren, they're not going to play again until the last weekend in October. And that's almost November. And these things have to be decided by early December. The Big Ten has three unbeatens. Guess what? On November 9th, Penn State, still unbeaten after that Michigan win, visits Minnesota, which you don't hear a lot about the Golden Gophers, but they haven't lost yet. Do I consider them near these others on the top tier? No. But... They are a Power 5 team. They haven't lost yet. If it comes to that, the Gophers might still be undefeated as they host the maybe still undefeated Nittany Lions on November 9th. One more, don't worry, be happy card, courtesy of Bobby McFerrin. And in that same league, again, three undefeated teams in the Big Ten. Maybe you'd prefer to use your Bob Marley Three Little Birds card for this one instead. Undefeated Ohio State visits perhaps still undefeated by then Penn State on November 23rd. Bottom line, eight Power Five undefeateds as we speak. Seven of the eight must face another member of the club, at least one other member of the club, between now and the end of the regular season. That's how and why these ranks always dwindle, and that's how and why these mid-October conversations tend to be a little bit over the top much of the time. 1-800-849-2761. Clemson gets heat for being the only one of the eight that doesn't have to face another member of the club. We know that side story. But the other seven, somebody's got to lose those games, right? The Hokies and the Tar Heels took six overtimes to decide a winner, but that's how the rules work. I mean, eventually there will be a winner and there will be a loser when those unbeatens face those unbeatens later this season against assuming they keep winning. November 9th, man, LSU at Alabama. It wouldn't get a whole lot better than that. Cameron in Greenville, welcome to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go right ahead. Hey, what's up, BG? Uh, best of the weekend is Jose Altuve, the five foot eight giant killer in his walk-off home run against the Yankees. I love seeing the Yankees lose. Anybody but the Yankees. Unbelievable. Worst of the weekend, and I want to. I want to hear. You, I'm going to give you this question. Hey, hold this. Hold that thought, Cameron, because Darren Jose Altuve is listed as five six, right? I'll I'll let Cameron get to his worst of the weekend because it's an interesting one. The funniest thing I saw on Twitter. One of the funniest things I saw on Twitter this weekend. And you know, you always have to help me with these social media and/or modern technology things. Sure. <laughs> I think it was something along the lines of. And short dudes on Tinder are now admitting that they're only 5'6 for a change. <laughs> I, th- I think this was a Shea Serrano tweet, okay. if I'm not mistaken. So I think I know the one you're talking about. So, I mean, you, I don't think you need to connect the dots for me. I laughed out loud. I'm assuming that many guys on whatever website or social media app may exaggerate their height 
Yeah, or if they don't exaggerate, they just they just conceal it until okay. until it's absolutely necessary information. And right? Jose Altuve is a legit five six, and yet one of the greatest players in baseball today. Yeah, right. And and it, as good a Mr. October candidate as I've seen since that Reggie Jackson guy of the 1970s and 1980s. All right, Cameron, go ahead to your worst of the weekend. Okay, so the worst of the weekend is a question for you, and it's the rule that if you fumble into your, the end zone, it's automatic touchback and a turnover. I think that rule is just stupid in my opinion. I, I mean, it ruined the – I'm not a fan of the Raiders or the Packers, but it just ruined the, the game for me watching Derek Carr reach out. I mean – at least don't make it a turnover. Make it like a penalty where you like lose 10 yards or the ball gets placed back on like a 15 or 20 yard line rather than a turnover because that you're just punishing a player for it, it, for fumbling into the end zone. I, I just don't like that rule. I was gonna uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. As you know, my legal brain always goes back to I wonder what the people in the room were thinking when they made that rule because I, I'm serious. You know, I say sometimes the lovely and talented Maria, who, by the way, Darren, leaves today for Prague. So, like, parties at the Glen House for the next 10 days. Maria's out of the country. So, we're, uh, we're driving her to the airport nice. this afternoon. Oh, yeah. All, all rules are suspended in the Glen household <laughs> for the next 10 days. And actually, one of my best college buddies is coincidentally, coincidentally, coming to town for about a four-day stay. Of all the rules we have in sports – this one is one of the more illogical, and I'd love to know the origins of it. Think about this. Cameron is circling the rule, where most of you know this. Like, in a different context, Melvin Gordon and the Chargers were in a 23-20 game against the Titans. And Gordon's trying – remember, he's back from his long holdout. Hasn't done much, which makes Chargers fans really upset. Late fumble right at the goal line. Now, that's just the traditional fumble rule. If you're dumb enough, even if it's fourth and one from your own 11 – if you're dumb enough to extend that ball out there and the defender bats it away, it's just a traditional fumble, and either one of your teammates gets it or a defender gets it, right? Just a, the old, good old-fashioned fumble rule. What Cameron's talking about is when the offensive team has a chance to go in. Let's say Derek Carr of the Raiders is headed toward the pylon and the ball is stripped from him, okay? If the ball bounces out at the one-inch line, it's still the Raiders' ball at the one-inch line. If that weird-shaped object takes a tiny, tiny til tilt to the other side and Derek Carr's fumble just barely goes into the pylon or the goal line, it's a touchback. So even though the defense did not recover, it's the defense's ball at the 20. So you're, like, doubly penalized. They didn't even pick it up. The defense did not recover it. You got to catch it to be credited with an interception, right? You got to fall on it to be credited with a fumble recovery in all other contexts. Not in this one. So you lose possession and you lose field position. So what, what went into that? Was it those coaches or whoever made those rules so valued ball security near the goal line that they wanted the penalty to be doubly thick? Yeah, I, could, I could picture some old school football coaches thinking that way. Well, if you idiots aren't going to remember to hold on the ball when you're that close to the goal line, yeah, we're going to double penalty because those are the same coaches back in the day when this role was made that were probably running you till you threw up after practice for fumbling the ball inside the one-yard line. It, it is illogical, right, by the standards of everything else involving turnovers in the National Football League. So 
I guess because my team wasn't involved, I didn't lose any sleep over it. But I think you're circling something that a lot of people have wondered about over the years. What would be the appropriate penalty? Like some people say, since the defense didn't recover it, why could why shouldn't the team that fumbled it at the one just get another down at the one? Right? The defense didn't recover it. Why do they get a turnover? Just because he fumbled it into the end zone rather than it bouncing off to the sideline? It's an interesting question. Cameron, obviously one of the many high IQ members of the statewide David Glenn Show audience. Only smart people worry about such things, Darren. Hopefully that does not keep them up at night. 1-800-849-2761. Mac Brown of the Tar Heels live in a little bit more than 60 minutes. Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina on all things NFL, including your Panthers and the Cam Newton-Kyle Allen conversation and the trip to San Francisco, and even star veteran tight end Greg Olson's trip into the broadcast booth. During the Panthers open week, Joe Person, our guest, was able to shadow Greg Olson as he was an analyst on the Giants-Cardinals NFL game on Fox. So that'll be another fun twist to our conversation with Joe, also in hour number two. You can be next with your best or worst of the weekend. Gary is in Wilson. Steve is in Apex. You can join us with your question, comment, or your vote. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe, and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw since we were together on Friday, and what made it that? I occasionally have threatened my children, if you don't give your best effort at this youth soccer or other youth match, I'll make you walk home. Now, it was more of an empty threat. You know, I wouldn't do that to the kids. Although the soccer field isn't all that far from our house, so maybe that makes it less of a threat. Clemson's football coach didn't make his player walk home, but he wasn't allowed on the team playing after he punched a football player on the opposing team. More on that crazy story with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. UNC coach Mac Brown heading into the Tar Heels versus the Blue Devils. Joins us live in about 60 minutes. Joe Person on all things NFL in about 45 minutes. Your best and worst of the weekend right now at 1-800-849-2761. Hugh is in Holly Springs. Steve is in Apex. Gary is in Wilson. Asheville, Boone, Greenville, Wilmington. The Triangle, the Triad. You can join us as well. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. That one unusual story that I mentioned and why I believe Bronco Mendenhall and UVA now 5-2 and two after dismantling Duke. Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech. And that's been a crazy roller coaster. Believe it or not, after all the screaming about what's been going on in Blacksburg, the Hokies are 5-2 and two after taking out the Tar Heels in six overtimes. And a special tip of the cap, I, I believe even best of the weekend, to Dave Clawson of Wake Forest. He has his Deeks 6-1, and one, and I thought one coaching twist was one of the most important aspects of the Deacons 22 to 20 win over the Seminoles. We were there with the big tailgate tour. Shout out to Adam Carpenter, Dan Newcomer, and the entire, they call it their touchdown trailer tailgate when they're not calling it their screw Carolina tailgate. Sage Surratt, the wide receiver, 
Cade Carney, the running back, Kendall Hinton, the former backup quarterback who's now a playmaker at wide receiver. In terms of personnel, they deserve a whole lot of credit on the rare day that the offense was not hitting on all cylinders. Remember, Jamie Newman, star QB, was out with his injury, and the Deeks went from averaging an ACC best 44 points per game with Jamie Newman to unable to exploit through the rain and the elements a Florida State defense that had not been very good this year. So we're there for this low-scoring affair, but the Deeks figure out a way to win it 22-20. to 20. As we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Your offense isn't moving the ball. Your backup quarterback, Sam Hartman, was not very accurate, was not very good with his timing, and is not nearly the running threat that your almost Cam Newton-sized starter, Jamie Newman, is when he is healthy. Now, Hartman, remember, has been a very good player for Wake. Started nine games last year, but looked rusty. Florida State looked better on defense. The elements didn't help. And the offense, the Wake offense, went to a shadow of itself. In a game that ends up 22-20, to 20, or even at Virginia Tech, which used three different quarterbacks to beat the Tar Heels, one wrinkle... I'm still a believer that the players deserve the most credit. Sage Surratt, Kendall Hinton, Cade Carney, et cetera. But one coaching wrinkle, Justin Fuente, and in a year where he doesn't have a great quarterback, figuring out a way to pull something out of three different quarterbacks to beat the Tar Heels in six overtimes. For Dave Clawson, you know what it was? They couldn't get a yard when they needed it. Remember, when they needed a yard and Jamie Newman was torching you through the air, if Jamie Newman falls forward with his 240 pounds, good luck pushing him backward. You get the yard you need. You just pick your favorite offensive lineman. Jamie Newman buries his head. And against virtually every defense, you get the yard you need, whether it's third and one, fourth and one, goal line, or whatever. Wasn't happening. And Sam Hartman, again, was not having one of his better days throwing or running in a 22-20 victory for the Demon Deacons. Dave Clawson saw it in the moment. There, there's, it is extremely unlikely that this was an expected part of the game plan, right? You, you prepare for certain things, but sometimes you hope not to have to use certain things. Well, sure enough, man, it was raining. Somehow, the tailgate tour was not interrupted by rain. And Darren and Will can tell you stories of me entertaining the masses with, like, eight straight through the Continental Tire in the tire toss and then dared to back up 10 yards and then just zipping it through again before a Braveheart style, are you not entertained? There was a lot of that on Saturday without the rain. Well, the football game was played in the rain. And what did Dave Clawson do? In the moment, he had prepared for this possibility. His guys clearly had practiced this. Not getting the short yardage, lots of trips to the red zone, but lots of field goals. What did he do? He took his super smart, super tough tailback, senior Cade Carney, and just put him in like a wildcat type situation and ran Sam Hartman out to line up like a wide receiver and snapped it right to Cade Carney. Now, Florida State, you know, coached back in the day, Mickey Andrews and Chuck Amato and Bobby Bowden, I think they'd have sniffed that out and not allowed it to happen. The Willie Taggart Seminoles did not quite sniff it out. And I think it was three straight plays with Cade Carney. Direct snap. I mean, there's not a whiff of a possibility 
that Cade Carney, who's built like a fullback, is going to throw that football. There is no chance that Sam Hartman is going to become some Kendall Hinton-style wide receiver. Ain't going to happen. You and I, if you've watched either of those teams, you know none of that was a possibility. So everyone in the building knew that Cade Carney was going to keep it. And yet that one wrinkle in a game that ends up 22-20 to 20, where you couldn't get it in the end zone and you kicked, what, five different field goals, that was your only touchdown. And it came late, and it came in a game where the Seminoles were starting to believe that they could beat you. Justin Fuente's use of three quarterbacks, unconventional, not your dream scenario. You'd like to have one guy that can do all the things that you ask him to do. But Quincy Patterson could run it. He not only had the game-winning two-point conversion, he had that 50-plus yard run late in regulation that tied the game and sent it to the first overtime. So you get Ryan Willis to throw a few passes. You get Quincy Patterson, your running dude, to, to make a couple of the biggest plays. And somehow, I thought the play of the game, Quincy Patterson running quarterback. The Hokies are down seven in overtime. The Heels had converted a touchdown and a PAT. You have your running quarterback in there. This was the chance for the Heels to polish it off. I know both field goal kickers missed field field goals, and it just that's what led it to six overtimes. But Quincy Patterson hitting Damon Hazelton in the left corner of the end zone for that was like almost a twenty yard pass. That's your running quarterback making like a corner throw the way you'd ask your NFL guy to throw it. And it worked. And the Heels didn't defend it well. And Damon Hazleton's their best offensive player. He makes a play. That just pushed it to another overtime. But that was the Heels' best chance, I thought, of winning it, if you don't count the conversion attempts. For the record, Mac Brown, who joins us later, uh, replaced his starting field goal kicker earlier today. He announced that his true freshman walk-on, a guy named Jonathan Kim, is going to be his new starting kicker because Noah Ruggles, remember, missed the late one against App State in the loss to the Mountaineers. That one was blocked. I don't know if that was really his fault, but missed a couple of game-winning, potential game-winners at Blacksburg. So the Heels, instead of being 4-3 and in an even better story, they dropped to 3-4 and four against a uh, Hokies team that had really been struggling. Hugh and Holly Springs, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. Um, it's really more of a free-for-all Friday type of question, but I know what you expected of the Tar Heels or what you thought was going to happen at the beginning of the season, but yeah. now that we're seven games in, I wanted to get your take on where you think they're heading and, you know, are we a success so far this year in your mind? Mm, they're better uh, than I thought. I mean, I, my line in August was a bowl should be the goal, right? Scratch and claw your way to six wins, and I would give you a round of applause because I saw zero depth. I knew about Sam Howell as a true freshman, but I wasn't sure he was going to be this good this quickly. Uh, Questions at linebacker have been answered quite well, especially with Chaz Surratt. Questions on the offensive line have kind of been exploited when they're hurt, but they're actually, they have five pretty good starters when they're all healthy. So three and four is not a bad record, given that they've played such a tough schedule. And you got to give them credit. They beat the Gamecocks. They beat the Hurricanes. They, they beat uh, you know, a Georgia Tech team they're supposed to beat. And their losses are all close losses, right? Single possession against Wake. Single field goal against App State. One point against number one at the time, Clemson. And then six overtimes against Virginia Tech. I think they're a little bit better than Duke. Not a lot better. Uh, at, they face the Devils this weekend in Chapel Hill. I think UVA is a little better than the Heels. Not a lot better. 
I think Pitt's a little better than the Heels, not a lot. I mean, these games are, you know, they go to state at the end of the season. Like, good luck picking all four of them correctly, seriously. So I should, I should give a prize to anybody who could pick, like, nine out of the Tar Heels 12 games correctly. Good luck with that. Who, who had them beating South Carolina, Miami, and Georgia Tech, but losing to Wake, App State? You know, we all knew they'd lose to Clemson, and that turned out differently than we thought, at least the details. And then at Virginia Tech. So I would think they'd beat Duke, but who knows? I think they're a little better than State, but now the Wolfpack has found its quarterback in Devin Leary. So instead of facing the experimental quarterback Wolfpack, I think by then it'll be Devin Leary with a lot of games under his belt, right? So all these are moving puzzle pieces. I think the bottom line is, still, if you get to a bowl game, given the way Mac Brown is recruiting right now, and he's landing some whoppers, how could you not call a bowl game and a highly ranked recruiting class, a huge success story. How could you not call it that, given you know two and three wins these last couple of years under Larry Fedora? DG, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I can't see – it's not impossible for the Heels to make a run in the Coastal Division. There's a lot of football left to be played. Are you capable of beating Duke and UVA and Pitt and NC State? Yes. But you're also capable of beating the Hokies in Blacksburg, and it got away. You were capable of beating Wake at Wake, and it got away. You came close against Clemson, but it got away. You could have beaten App in Chapel Hill, and it got away. All these nail-biter games. The heels have to figure a way to get more of those nail-biters in the win column. The rest of their season could go either way, but I think if you get to 6-6, and you got to give Mac Brown a whole lot of credit for that. Plus, again, he's just recruiting his tail off on the recruiting trail. More of your phone calls, Joe Person and Mac Brown joining us next hour. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Tua Tungavailoa of Alabama, Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, Jacoby Brissett of the Colts, Teddy Bridgewater of the Saints, Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings. They're all best of the weekend QBs for various reasons. Tua is in the headlines because of an ankle injury. More on that on the other side. Joe Person on the NFL later, Mac Brown of the Tar Heels later. Back to your best and worst of the weekend next on the David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music for right. that? That's right. That's Bette Midler. There we go. You are the wind beneath my wings. Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show.